Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I have another exciting day where I get to genuinely meet somebody for the very first time. Um, this is another one, another exploration into the House of Worship LDs and some of the, the similarities and some of the differences between rock and roll and theater and architecture and corporate and House of Worship lighting and kind of how we're all in the same industry, but we're all in like different branches. So I thought today would be a really good day to reach out to a brand new friend. His name is Chris Eggizabel. He is the owner at Afterglow Design and production designer at Harvest Christian Fellowship. He is out of California. Thank you so much for taking time to sit and chat with me, Chris. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. So this has come up a few times where a lot of my... A lot of my audience members are primarily rock and roll designers and they're, you know, after an extended isolation period, I, I've been doing these about once a day and uh, I've reached out to quite a few rock and roll people and they're like, yeah, we, we know all these people, Chris. Can you reach out to some people that we haven't met yet or we would like to learn more about? So I kind of did a, a very simple Google search and I, and I did House of Worship Lighting and You'll be happy to know that your search engine optimization is working. You're, <laughs> you're right up there towards the top. So I don't know if, uh, if that's something you intended, but uh, <laughs> this meeting is completely thanks to Google and Facebook and Instagram. Thanks. So uh, thanks you'll have guy. to uh, reach out to anybody who's promoting you online. They're doing quite a well. Your photos are amazing. It looks like you're doing some really great work in the industry. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's uh, let's start from the beginning. Like, how did you get into our industry? How did you decide that, like, yeah, lighting is really, really cool. I want to I want to do that. Well, uh, definitely wasn't church. <laughs> um, I I think it's probably for a lot of people out this way. Especially, it's all started for me uh, with Disneyland. Believe it or not. Um, so my parents both worked at Disneyland, so we were there all the time. And I want to say it was probably in my teens, maybe even younger, when you start to notice like all the flashy lighting and the guys in black walking around making it work and setting up Fantasmic and the fireworks and all that. And you're like, hey, that's a cool-looking job. And just over the years of us going there, because our parents worked there, uh, I just started talking to random stage techs and lighting techs and all that who worked at Disneyland. And one of them, his name is Louis Vrabel, he uh, 
kind of mentored me a lot with like the process to becoming a lighting programmer, designer, the people to get to know. Uh, he introduced me to Casey Wilkerson, who is a designer at Disneyland, um, senior designer. Um, so started talking to Casey, got a lot of info from him on how to get into the industry. Um, a lot of them actually suggested, you know, theaters, and the second choice was churches, because at the time, churches were just starting to catch up with being more modern with their the look of everything being because everything started being webcasted or just uh, broadcasted on TV and um, just more digitalized uh, to help bring in fresh looks and all that. So right on. Um, uh, so I have a uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I have a fairly outdated perception of church lighting. Then I I feel <clears> like. Disney would be at the leading forefront of technology and uh, in impact. Definitely. Whereas uh, a much younger Chris who thinks of church lighting, he thinks of, you know, fluorescent lighting and a projector yep. on a stand. Yeah. That's what I thought. Cause I, I grew up Catholic. And so we went to like, you know, cathedrals and there's like no moving lights in there at all. It's all stained glass and everything. And it's like, when they're like suggesting, oh, go to your local church. I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? And so I didn't even know there's like the the division of, not division, I guess, I guess like a, a segment part of, yeah, of the church where there's more of this artistic visual element in presenting, you know, the message and then just helping immerse people into worship and everything. Um so I started looking around and I was volunteering at a couple of theater programs at some high schools because I was homeschooled. And then a couple of the theater programs at the high schools here take homeschoolers in. So originally I started learning theater lighting because uh, I decided, well, I want to get into theater because it seems like that's what Disney uses more. Uh -huh. A lot of tested theater like education and college and all that. So I went the theater route originally and then during my homeschooling days, one of my friends went to Harvest. And they're like, hey, we're actually looking for lighting volunteers. Would you be interested in like meeting our boss and talking about it? So that was probably like, gosh, over 12 years ago now. <laughs> and well, we, Hold on. I got to back up just a second here. You were homeschooled. Yep. You're experience of high school kids was just the theater department uh for the most part it was a weird homeschool system because you know, it's not 100 percent at home you go to a learning center and everything okay. it's probably more better to call it a more better well it's probably better to call it a uh like a private school of sorts where you do all your most of your stuff at home but you go to a learning center to like interact with kids and all the same stuff like prom and stuff so there wasn't much missing out on. It was just, okay. I guess, a friendlier environment, you could say. No, I don't know. It's amazing because when I think of the – I was in, the, <clears throat> I was one of the theater kids in high school, and I thought of us as being the outcast. Yeah. If your high school experience of high school people was the theater department, then you got – Yeah, you, you didn't feel like an outcast too much. No, <laughs> you're like, like we're cool. welcome. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Chris. That's nice. Uh, Let's let's do a back rub circle or something, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's hang out. Let's welcome yes. into our into our fray. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, and then 
I started um, volunteering at Harvest, and I was probably 14. So my goal was to work at Disneyland. So I got the, the years of experience. These guys started mentoring me, saying what I needed. They looked over like what I was doing, uh, said what I should learn more because they know what they look for when they're interviewing there. And then once I got the amount of years of experience I needed and I shadowed some people, finally came the time to apply at Disneyland. And I got in at 19, which I think is really young to get in wow. there. Wow. So Congratulations. I barely got my driver's license like after I got hired there. So it was like the first few weeks, my dad's taking me there to work. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> I don't even know how to drive and I'm working at Disneyland. So... Um, <laughs> So I worked there for a little bit, and then my dad got really sick, so I had to, like, stop uh, and focus on him because uh, my parents at the time were divorced. So there was a lot of things where he put me as his, um, I guess, like, the person who decides his medical stuff. And so I had to be his there executor. for a lot of, Yeah. So I had to be there for a lot of, like, doctor's meetings and stuff, and it was just conflicting with Disney's scheduling and... I was being late too much. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to ruin things with Disney. I'm going to just leave and then maybe come back later or something. Um, Ten years later, never did. Because <laughs> just a lot of stuff picked up after that. My dad ended up passing away. And so I just started figuring out, well, what do I want to do in life now? Um, shortly after I left Disney, uh, Harvest graciously offered me a job because they knew I was in a tough spot. And... Uh, that was part-time. Eventually, I went salary. And so, and then um, fast forward a few years, I went part-time to start my own company because just a lot of freelance work was picking up for me. Um, a lot of guys from Disneyland knew me, so they started hiring me on stuff. And it just went crazy from there, working on different festivals. and. Um, uh, it sounds like uh, pre-COVID, it sounds like you had a lot of momentum going. It was. It was crazy. And then I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to jump in and go freelance, full freelance and start my company and everything. And everyone's like, yeah, bro, there's so much work right now. Go ahead and do it. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I did it. And boom, COVID hit. And I'm like, geez. Oh, man. So it was going to be a good year too. But Congratulations. You started your own LLC. What's that called? Uh, it's Afterglow Design LLC. Um and it's pretty much a company that just focuses on the smaller venues right now. We do kind of everything. If you go to the website, you'll see there's not like a specific industry that we support or anything. Okay. But it just happens to work out that we know a lot of people in the house of worship community and uh, schools especially. They, don't, they seem to be the two markets that don't get a lot of support. Yeah. from the top tier companies out there. So we're just like, well, let's give them like at least some professional insight into what they can do to help make their production better um, and help, you know, present their message or stories or Broadway shows that the schools put on and all that um, without having to, you know, break the bank. And so that's what our company really focuses on doing is bringing resources to those industries. Cool. That sounds like there's a, a niche to be filled there. Sounds like you're in a good spot to kind of help out. Yeah, it seemed like it. Uh, just because we're in the industry. And when I like started working at Harvest, there was no like getting in the industry, period. There was not like, thank God I like ran into people at Disneyland who helped me because it's not an easy industry to get in if you don't know someone. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's not like, a, oh, here's a school and this school will help you find all these jobs. Like sometimes that happens, but then some people like some of the best designers and programmers didn't even go to college. So you're like, yeah. well, how did they get there? And it's like, it's just based literally on knowing people. So um, we figured why not make a resource where people don't have to struggle to get to know someone. They could just find us and we could hook them up with the right tools. Cool. It sounds like you had a little bit of a leg up in the fact that your parents were supportive. A lot of people who get into this industry, it's not because their parents understand or even have any idea or a clue about what the theater world is, right? entertainment industry. Or, and sometimes it's even worse than that, that. What they do think they know about the entertainment industry is just debauchery and, right. uh, and pirates. <laughs> right. So it sounds like your parents were at least open to the fact that, oh, no, maybe we should not discourage Chris from taking this path. Yeah. And it's just like younger, like when I was younger, most people would buy like an Xbox or something. I was like, buy me this DJ light. <laughs> so <laughs> they're just like, I made, there's something here. He's like creative or something. And so they just let me run with it, which was cool. <laughs> so, and they like understood that there was a level of technical knowledge and programming skill that they didn't know paid but they knew that like that's a niche to get into and if he gets into it it's like something cool so thank you oh man if my that. son ever asked me to buy him a command wing i'll be so <laughs> i'll be through the roof right? if he comes to me for his 12th birthday or something he's like hey, can i have a command wing like, right yes <laughs> we will find a way to get you a command wing and a couple Mistral or something, you know, right? that would, yeah. Oh, I would be so proud. <laughs> Tad, can we go to guitar center and get a, some, oh, some man. park hands and some we went to uh, Sam Ash all the time. The little lighting section of it, Sam Ash. It was like insane for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost it there. I say this with the utmost respect, but you're such a nerd. Oh, that yeah. is awesome. That is, <laughs> I say that with all utmost respect. That oh, is no, the I nerdiest thing I've heard. <laughs> yes. So uh, outside of the church, I mean, the, some of the stuff that you were getting at Sam Ash, were you were you going out and helping people with your with your lighting stuff? Were you were you proactive? Um, so you're talking like earlier on. I'm thinking about like your first time going out with some gear and saying like, I want right. to help improve your message. Yeah. I want to, I want to add production value to your message. I'm trying to remember what the first thing was I did, but younger, it was like just literally show up and pull cable for some people. <laughs> Wasn't even touching the lights. Um, and then eventually turned into that. Uh, and then volunteering at Harvest was cool because we do the the crusades at like Angel Stadium and stuff. And at the time, the lighting company, the lighting vendor for us was uh, Visions Lighting. And so Todd was really nice and let me help him. And then I helped him out on some shows outside of Harvest. And that was like another foot into the industry outside of Harvest is with Todd at Visions and all that. So. I appreciate him for helping me out with that. And then yeah, just took off from there. Went to LDI and LDI is like the place to go. If you want to like get to know anybody, that's like what I think springboard me getting into different areas as far as gigs and festivals and all that was just meeting all these different people who 
we're from all those different walks of life. So, yeah, I'd say that was... Walking around LDI, did you have somebody who was introducing you to other people or were you just going in cold? So early on, I didn't mention this, but um, Greg Jones at Martin Lighting and Daryl Sutton and Matthias were really big. Once I got like... Because I got introduced to them from the guys at Disneyland. Um, They helped me a lot with getting to know bunch of different people greg jones took me under his wing and just introduced me to all these company owners and lds and i got introduced to the guys at Synchrolite, which i thought was the sickest light at the time uh, yeah. yeah it was so, yeah um so That's yeah it awesome. was greg jones is a good person to have oh, yeah. on your side he's, he's uh, still he's... he's still a mentor to me it's it's insane i love that guy now you're in good company oh yeah so yeah, it was like him and like a bunch of the other guys there who walked me around, and introduced me to people. He would literally like leave the booth and say, "Come with me, I'm going to introduce you to someone." I'm like, all right, let's do this. So, very yeah. cool. And you got to kind of see some of the newer, blinkier lights, and yeah, into got to meet new people. Yep. And everything was just gelling for you. Like this is clearly what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, it was. It was insane. That is, uh, that's great. That's, yeah. that's a very uplifting story. That sounds like how people should go about it. You should just continue to meet people and see as much gear as you can and kind of be familiar, uh, as familiar as you can. Totally. Uh, so you started with volunteering. Right. Do you encourage other people to start volunteering first until you've got your till you got your water wings per se uh i think it's definitely a good entry level as far as if you're just tech savvy period but know absolutely nothing about lighting like mm-hmm. an example i like to use is my assistant lighting designer right now his name is nicholas valdez and he for a while there like replaced me when i left to start my company and now we're like working together so we're not like above each other right now we're equals okay um i kind of did the same thing he was just in our children's ministry and he just started noticing the lights and everything and talked to one of our other guys and he introduced him to me and i'm like yeah if you want to come help out with lighting we we need extra people it's just me doing it and so he started helping out um and he caught on really quick for knowing absolutely nothing, what the lighting board does, what DMX is, how to focus, what angle to focus at, beam angles, um, color temp and all that. So he learned all that really quickly. And so I'm like, oh, this guy like is really good so far. And so I started like asking, I think the first gig I took him on was with aspect lighting. I asked Sid, I'm like, hey, I got this guy who works with me now we just hired him because he was doing really well and we need an extra hand so we hired him part-time and i said hey this guy is really good i think he'd be a great programmer can he just come out and shadow me for a show and sid was great over there and said yeah why not so we could use it and so brought him out a few times and he con really quickly and the guys at aspect got to know him so eventually he just started helping out Every gig I did with Sid, I'm just like, can I bring Nick? He's like, yeah. And then now he hires Nick. So that's cool. And now he's got a couple other gigs with other companies. So it's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. There's a, so I just say, like, you go from volunteering, like, that's a great entry level. And 
I think it's a good way to get in. It's not the only way, but it seems to work for a lot of people that I've seen. So, No, that sounds like a really good way of getting your foot in the door. I would hope that people don't have to volunteer much longer than necessary, but at the same time, right. to be able to get your foot in with a company like Aspect or something and just like, hey, I'm here, I'm available, I'm interested. Right. And then as soon as you can show that you're capable, that's it's indispensable right. to be able to go, hey, no, I'm... Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, this kid is catching on really quickly and we need the help. Like, And most of the time when we're hiring, we look at our volunteer pool because they've already been you know, committed to helping us and being there not paid. So, And we know that what they say they know is true because we see it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, honestly, the best way to hire people too is we look at our volunteer pool and we're like, hey, let's just hire him. We could train him easily. He already knows a lot about it. So I think it was like three years he volunteered and then we hired him. So, cool. Yeah. So then after you kind of got your knowledge about the gear, when did you realize that you had a, a flair for design and <laughs> a, a creative vision? Um, dang. I would say just working on shows and rigs and being like, I would have probably done this this way or put this light here. And then I'm like slowly, like when we had a lighting, we had visions do our crusades. They had slowly started going into transition phase of selling and all that. And so they kind of handed the torch of designing the stage and the lighting to me. And so there's a bunch of stuff I kind of like experimented on with that stage and then stuff at Harvest at the actual church where I started to pick up like what worked, what didn't work. I'd say that's probably like the realm where I started experimenting. Um, And that's a cool thing at like a church. There's a lot of downtime to experiment with different designs and um, you're working with gear that is pretty much used everywhere else. So um I'd say it was probably like 15 is when I started like really get into like building a rig from scratch. I would ask like Martin for some demos and add that in to help beef it up a little bit. Um, nice. Yeah, it sounds like you were given a lot of uh, creative <clears throat> decision-making. sounds like you were given a lot of uh, room to explore. Right. Yeah. And that's that I, again, that's why I like you, pointing people towards churches is just because it's kind of like a lighting lab. The The place is open for you to come in anytime you want to program. Like when I was learning programming, we had the Maxis at the time. And um, I just was like, I want to be good at programming. So I literally would go in like five days a week and just program to random music through the sound system. And that's how I would better at programming was just going in on off days when the church was closed and they were okay with me going in and programming. Um, and we had the original Martin show designer at the time. So I would start on that. Wow. Lamps. Yeah. Wow. You're going back a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. Not as far as most people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a young... I think it was a good, cool period to get into because all that stuff was just like exploding visualization and. Yeah. Uh, the Maxis and MA stuff was starting to get really good. Cool. Hog too. 
So it was like Hog, M-A-E-T-C were my first consoles. And so you, as you got more and more technology, was Harvest open to the fact that you were bringing in more <clears throat> blinky stuff to their, to their sermons before, and their shows? I'd say just before I showed up, they had gone on to TV. So they already had this massive lighting rig, but nobody really knew or cared to learn how to use it like fully. They were contracting people in. And so I kind of made it my goal to just learn as much as I could so I can operate and use it because it was a lot to like just leave in one look uh, for like just a, a lot of horsepower being yeah. left untouched, huh? Right. And so I kind of made it my goal to like just learn how to use all of it. So they already had it. So it wasn't like one of those churches where, oh, they're bringing in concert lighting. It didn't flash in the audience or anything at the time. Like it was a no flash in the audience time and. Um, it was very more uh, subdued as far as how the lighting worked. Okay. Um, but and slowly now? we started like morphing it. Now, like just before COVID, even then, like I'm not a fan of like it. I'm probably one of the few church LDs who don't go like full on blind the audience. I think. I mean, there's okay. a there's a lot out there, but there's like a I will say some churches can go a bit overboard. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. I think they I think some of those churches, I'm not gonna name any of them, but they might give some of us a bad name in like you're like, oh my gosh, there's like lasers for a normal Sunday. Now Christmas, cool, go all out. Yeah. Some of them though is like, dang, this is every Sunday they do this. It's <laughs> Now that some people go to that church, they like that. And so that's awesome. But for harvest, it's just, we try to bring it back and make sure that the main thing is the main thing, not distracted with a ton of technology, but also use it. I like to approach it from more of a theatrical aspect where you're okay. more immersing the congregation into what's, you know, trying to be said through the music or the message and less flashy concert rock and roll. So um we try to light it more like that the only time we'll go like really blown out concert stuff is like a night of worship when it's like being recorded or a, like a harvest crusade when it's an actual stadium event and it's it makes sense to do that for us but a normal sunday is actually like not a lot of movement there's a lot of color maybe okay um and textures but it's not like rock and roll on a normal sunday so okay yeah so one of the th differences that I have in my head between church and rock and roll is that I rarely get feedback from the audience. They, they come, they drink, and then they leave. And if I'm going to get any reviews, that's going to be one or two drunk people coming by the front of house and be like, that sucked. Or, Hey dude, that was <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Right. With, with no follow up per se, this just gonna be like, it's going to be somebody yelling at me or, uh, and, and normally my response would be, well, I'm the lighting guy and you're complaining about sound right. or it'll just be a very simple. Thank you so much. I, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. I, I got to load out. I would imagine that you have a little bit more access to the congregation and you can maybe get some more feedback. Do you right. get positive or negative remarks from when you're showing more restraint or when you're going more all out? 
Yeah, we probably get more. If anyone does comment, there's definitely more negative than there is positive. Because <laughs> normally, when nothing's wrong, no one says anything. But when right. something's wrong, everybody says something. Like, er, like no one pays attention to the lighting or sound until something happens, and they all turn and look at the sound booth. <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> that's similar. I can yeah. tell you that. Uh, that's the so, same across the yeah, whole industry. It is nice where you, you will get like some critique and there's some like a lot of my friends in the industry will come and visit and they'll say, hey, I liked how you did this or next time try doing this. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that. And um, but yeah, then you get like the Karens out there who <laughs> were like, the light was in my eye. And I'm like, well, it was the moment. It wasn't like the whole service um, where it just got brighter. The lights didn't necessarily go into their face, but uh-huh um it's just one of those things like we put led walls in not too long ago and that was a quite the transition because we started doing motion graphics on there and a lot of people loved it but then the older people were like what so yeah that's a tough one yeah. uh, i would imagine that has to i would imagine that has to go through pastor is is that the person who makes most of those yeah decisions? so a lot of the we have a huge like an ad the, the structure we have is crazy there's an admin team who like approves and everything and then there's a design slash production team that they'll be approached and say hey we want to like change the whole feel and look of this and we'll all brainstorm and then present it to the admin team and they'll approve it or decline it so a lot of it doesn't necessarily even go to Greg, the, the senior pastor, because um, he just trusts us to do stuff. And then some stuff he'll ask specifically, like, I want this on the screen during this song. And we're like, all right, we'll try to make it work. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is more, we try to make it teamwork. Uh, and then sometimes there'll be specific requests from the pastor. Cool. So it sounds like there's really no top-down process here. It sounds like it's a kind of a, an all-around collaboration. Like anybody who has an idea is willing to toss it in the pot and see what yeah. flies. We tried it. We, uh, there's always going to be those times where someone will like go straight to the pastor instead of coming to the team. And that can be frustrating at times. We try to all work together to make sure that it's a collaborative effort um, because that's just Again, professional. We try to keep everything professional where, like, a lot of us, especially the audio guys, work out in the industry. They're not only church guys. Uh huh. Um, and same with some of our lighting guys. So we try to make it function as real world as possible. So it's not like this weird Christian church bubble, um, mostly because a lot of people start working for us and move on outside and stuff. So we try to be an area where, or a place where they can learn real skills and take that with them because a lot of back in the day when i said i was a church guy kind of you were looked down on because you're like oh you church guy you don't know that much and so i was like no we're switching that because that's bullcrap that you know that there's that vision out there of these church guys coming out and they don't know like actual design and programming and techniques and everything so we're like well, let's start changing that and actually train that and make it only a department where these guys can serve just because they want to serve but then if they really want to get into it they can and then we could push them out into the world if they wanted to so 
um, the skills they're going to learn are the same that they would learn outside. As a semi-established rock and roll guy, I can assure you that that stigma is being broken down quickly. Cool. I've been on some shows where I've had a guy sit next to me and I didn't know who they were. And he, <laughs> he, would, he would say, yeah, I'm from the, I came up from the church. That's why you've never met me or heard <laughs> of me. And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a thing. And then they have knocked it out of the park nine times out of ten. You know, I'm like, oh my, how do you... You, you, you're dealing with 20 surfaces here and uh you know cutting edge technology how do you how do you know all this I'm like well this is what we have in our church i'm like what yeah and it's and that can, can present kind that stigma. of a stigma too because <laughs> you're like wait why do you need a million dollar whatever system in there and it's like well sometimes you need it and sometimes like i said some people go a little overboard but That's it is nice that you have, have it Twenty thousand person congregation or a, a special event like you exactly yeah and that's what a lot of people i think they get f- kind of caught up in the and i like i said some people go overboard but a lot of people i think get what they need because if you think about it take out the fact that it's a church it's still a venue with you know like our we see three thousand people in our venue so we got to light the room for 3,000 people, and it's on camera, so it can't look, you know, crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up needing all this stuff, and then we have a huge online audience, so we don't want them to feel left out. So then we need to buy the lights to light the room better, the stage better, the pastor better. Um, and then we also want to make it enjoyable because, you know, a lot of the stigma also is that church is super boring. And so it was just that desire to make it more fun and entertaining but not too entertaining, just that <laughs> balance. So some people like accomplish that and some people can work on it better. But I think that that's most of what the heart is behind a lot of churches owning a lot of this equipment is that there is actually a need there. Mm-hmm. So uh, It's definitely not the technology leading the sermon. It's the other way around. It's the sermon right. and the audience making the technology necessary right and i don't know a better example than right now during the the covid period where if you hadn't already had that technology and those opportunities available to you you probably would have had a very different reality right now right being able to stream online is i when i can only imagine for a while that was your only option yeah so Thankfully, we had all that set up to do that, and we were already doing a webcast, so we just transitioned straight to doing only that. And now we're able to meet outside with a limited capacity and social distancing, so we have been doing that. And a lot of the churches out this way have been meeting outside. Um, There are the few that are ignoring orders and meeting inside, and that's a different subject. That happens. Um, Yeah. So we chose to just do the outside thing because we're well within the bounds and we're social distancing and a lot of the churches are doing that. And I think every church should have an outdoor service, especially if you're one of those churches where you're like, you've got the massive lighting rig because it's extremely humbling when you have only four Lecos and a couple LED lights on stage for backlight and that's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> What does your outdoor venue look like? Is it a... Is we have a trip? tent right now that we put up in the parking lot and it's literally 24 foot wide by 16 foot deep stage. 
and we just got an easy backdrop and a couple Lico's lighting it, and that's it. Yeah, back to so. your core, back to the roots there. That's... Exactly. So it's definitely humbling, and I think it's a good thing because it's kind of a refresh both for us to, like, make sure that we aren't just throwing gear at everything, that we're actually doing what we need, not more than we need, and then also kind of a refresh for the congregation to, like, not be caught up in all that so yeah that is the way to create new vantage points is to just toss everything out right and then start fresh and like well do we need to bring this back in yes do we need to bring this back in no no we didn't we never needed that in the first place we just bought it because we we thought it was cool and uh, when you really sort out when you take a deep a deep dive in the in the apple bin and just chalk out the bad apples and say no these are let's keep the good ones and check the bad ones out that's always right. a great way to get some fresh insight yeah um, for sure yeah uh, i'm i'm <clears throat> terribly uh, upset about the situation that made us have to go through all those apples but uh, right <laughs> but that's what happens sometimes we we don't get to choose right how uh, and when we review the the apples right so, has that affected your participation your audience are they are they are they enjoying the new sort of circumstances or are there a lot of people just like yeah we need to get back in the big room asap uh judging by the reaction the the crowd that shows up it it does feel like they like it a lot right now okay um there doesn't seem to be a difference which is a good thing we never want like the lack of or too much of lighting or production to like affect how the audience enjoys, you know, church in general. So the fact that they still really enjoy it and they're into it and everything says a lot about, I think, the experience that we're creating is it's not dependent on the production. It's enhanced by it. So That's cool. Um, I'm glad that that's the general census right now, it seems, with everybody. Yeah, you kind of already touched on that one time before we, we say that when <clears throat> when everything goes right – nobody mentions anything if if right. nobody ever comes to you and says hey the lights were shit or the lights were great then you know that you did exactly what was required of you right and even then like you have to kind of monitor when people are complaining right are they complaining just because they noticed or is it because they actually had a negative reaction right sometimes people will complain just because they noticed the lighting and, the, and they're like no i blinded you at the exact moment that you <laughs> needed to be blinded right you know exactly. like well well it made me feel something and i wasn't prepared for that <laughs> like yeah, yeah i know that's that one that comes up but yeah it's it's when it's just like one person and i don't get like five people that come up i'm like okay that one person was just mildly uncomfortable i guess i don't know yeah, this probably applies to sound more than lighting, but uh, I used to have a production manager that said, if if we don't get at least 10 complaints <laughs> about it being too loud, then it's not loud enough. Right. Yep. Because it, it, the only way you're going to get that impact is if you're going to offend a small margin of your people, you know, if... Right. I don't know if that exactly uh, applies to lighting. Like if, if you're blinding 10% of your audience, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> right. But, but if you're blinding 100% of your audience at the right time, then you're doing it right. Right. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah. But then don't blind them any longer than that. <laughs> Show some restraint, please. Yeah. Are you finding that your pastor finds that his message is going farther and making more impact thanks to the production value? Is your, is your pastor noticing a, uh, <clears throat> a, a larger impact? Uh, yeah, I'd say that over the years, he's definitely felt like the technology that we have can be used better and more creatively to help further what he's trying to, to say and preach the gospel and everything. So, um, yeah, he definitely sees the technology and wants to use it. I think we were probably one of the first people to webcast, period. Wow. Um, from what I've heard, um, I can't confirm that, but that's what I've been told. So definitely we try to always be the ones that use technology to its fullest. Okay. At least the technology we have. Um, a lot of it is like when we are in a service, he depends a lot on graphics and referencing screens and it helps just visually tell people what he's saying. Because a lot of like, you know, stories from the Bible, there's no pictures. So you have to like right. try to describe stuff without, you know, if you didn't have an LED wall behind you, you can't literally set the scene and say, well, this is actually the real location where this supposedly happened. So there you go. <laughs> uh, now you gave people visual reference. So a lot of the technology helps us do that. So. Right on. Do you think that sets you apart from other churches in the area? And I'll take um, that question even a little bit further. Like, do you, is there competition between churches to have a better production? Actually, there's not. <laughs> Although there's like a friendly like, oh, what did you guys do for Christmas? It's, it's more like there's this, I'd say collaboration. Like I have lunch with a bunch of church guys around here, you know, probably once a month when it wasn't COVID or once every other month. Okay. Um, and then we do like these giant lunches. We'll invite a bunch of people. Obviously, we haven't been able to do that recently. So, um, but yeah, I... I hang out a lot with the church guys around here, uh, like Saddleback, the designer that used to be there. We would get lunch all the time and hang out and talk and just share ideas. So there's definitely less of a competition and more of like a coalition or um, just collaborative, like, hey, this is what I've done. You should try doing this. That's um, cool. Like, for instance, someone ran a haze and I said, oh, I got some extra haze I could send over to you and that kind of stuff. So. Um, so yeah, there's definitely not really a competition like Griffin. You mentioned, I love talking to him all the time and yeah. we brainstorm different ideas and all that too. So it's definitely not even a local thing. I'm friends with guys from churches all over the place. And when we go to LDI, we'll do this a couple dinners during that week. And it's literally like 20 to 30 or 50 of us from different churches all just hanging out and saying well, how the year's been, what we're planning, what we're doing, different designs, and Nick pick off each other and all that. So, been What about cool. as far as your congregation? You don't think anybody would go, would pick a church based on production value, do you? Is that is that a thing? You know, a lot of the people I know, like we've had people where they'll, they'd stop going to Harvest, they'll go to another church, and a lot of it is just, the style of preaching or worship is just their style. 
Okay. So it's less about the production value. Now, some people will come to us from another church saying it was just too flashy. I felt like it was too much of a show or sometimes it'll be like, it was just too bland. Got it. Um, so it just, a lot of it is based off what they got out of the worship and message and all that lesson about the production. Okay. So Not the production per se, but definitely the production does add to that. It definitely Yeah. It's just if they felt it was authentic and if okay. it was it felt real to them, not like it was a show being put on, you know. So like church should never be a show, I feel, and I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that who go to church. Um so I definitely don't think the show should upstage anything, but I think the the show should add Right. Yeah, I, I'm I don't know if I've ever been opposed to uh, utilizing a show to to amplify the message. Right. But no, I definitely don't think in that setting it should upstage anything. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what about outside the church? You said you've done a little bit of touring. You've done. Uh... Was supposed to do my first tour this year. I wanted to get into touring. Oh and man! So my first tour was supposed to be this year with. It was a Christian band and conference, and it was going to be all over the U.S. And it was the first tour that I designed from scratch. So it was all paid for and stuff, and it got canceled. <laughs> so uh, that was sending, a bummer. Sending so much love, man. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, hopefully it picks up, you know, whenever everything opens. Um but a lot of my freelance has been like corporate and festivals and a little bit of TV. Okay. Like Disney Channel stuff and all that. Do you find the workflow to be any different? Is the collaboration different? Is it, um, or is it the same? Is it you're just using the same tools? It all honestly feels the same. Like I, I will run into people, both, like there's people at the church that are both fun to work with and kind of annoying to work with sometimes. So you run into the same kind of people outside and you're like, oh, you remind me of this person. I know how to work with that person. So let me just do it this way. And you're like, aha, I figured it out. That's very honest. Um, yeah. So that is cool that it's the same, that you're like, oh, this person has the same personality. Um, and then there's just like the cool thing about church lighting at least for us is there's a bunch of everything we do our giant festivals every year um so like you get the festival division or flavor um and then a lot of our sunday stuff is more of a corporate vibe where you've got the presentation and everything looks clean and stuff and then we have like children's plays and it's in a venue that we don't have we've got four moving lights and the rest is theatrical lighting so it's all Lico's and Source 4 Pars and um, Fresnel's and all that. So it's lit very theatrically, that room. Um, and then we've got like youth rooms where it's a little more concerty and okay, exciting, uh, at least for certain parts like game time and all that. So you kind of experience a lot of the different parts of the industry in one place where you're doing corporate festival, concert, theater and all that. And so that's kind of cool is you're able to go out and be like, well, I could like this, how I light this room or approach it this way. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's definitely cool being able to do that. That does sound very cool. It sounds like you get a, a full, a full gamut of the industry in one, in one place. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a cool training place for any one of those, you know, 
kind of shows, I guess, corporate festival and all that. I would imagine that once you get outside of the church setting, I would imagine it's kind of a blessing and a curse that you don't have those volunteer people anymore. Like, number one, you don't have to rely on volunteer work, but at the same time, you, I would imagine you kind of miss that. You do, and then you don't, because it is nice working with guys who know how to do what they're doing uh-huh. instead of having to hold hands a lot. Um, but then there is the the community side of, like, a, we have the same volunteers for, like, 10, 20 years, and so just working with them is cool. Um, and then there is the, like, just different, like, attitudes, like, some people out in the industry are really great to work with and I have yeah. lunch with them all the time. We hang out and some people have a bit of an attitude or they're hard to work with or uh, the union might not be that great. <laughs> yeah. That's industry wide, so, industry wide. Yeah. You know, you get so some, it, it's, there is definitely people. a love hate and then like you miss it and then you don't when you go out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, Outside of the church with Afterglow, do you have any uh, future goals per se? Or, or is this something that you're just kind of winging it and kind of uh, adapting to what comes? Or do you have a, a set path in mind? Well, the, the main goal of the company was to originally was I was doing freelance and all of a sudden AB5 popped up. <laughs> And we're like, hey, there's new bills coming out. You can't do freelance. I'm like, well, okay, I'll do LLC. And they can hire my LLC. And I'm good. So that was like the main goal was just to cover my ass with that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it turned into, well, I could, I've already done all the work. Why not just do what I've been doing under this umbrella now? And so I brainstormed with some other people who own a company. And we all talked about these niches that there are. And so I decided, you know what, let's just do this market and see how it goes and it was doing really well last year we made quite a bit of profit off just not like huge shows but helping people and selling gear and everybody i'm like i'm not a dealer but i distribute for another company called e2i design um so we were able to sell some gear from them and then a lot of my work mostly is for churches doing like their stage or scenic design because they don't have a guy on staff and so there's this niche now where there's like all these churches and they don't have guys, but they don't want to hire like just anybody. So they want a company that has like access to these guys who are willing to do freelance right now and know the church atmosphere and how it should be mixed, how it should be lit, not too showy, not too not showy and all that. So um, they come to us and like, Hey, I need a programmer for this weekend or coming up or we need a design and we need maintenance or something. And they'll just hire our company to do it all. And it's kind of a one-stop shop because we have a guy who does fabrication, uh, lighting, sound guys. I've got photographers and DJs. So we kind of do everything. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's, it's small that's... and starting, but there's, there was definitely a goal to like branch out and do as much as we could. Uh, before COVID hit, mm-hmm. um, and then like the, the first tour under that umbrella was booked and then canceled, and then there was a bunch of other stuff that I was working on with other companies where they were going to bring my company in to do the programming and consoles and all that, um, but it just boom hit out of nowhere. So hopefully once everything opens back up, that's like a goal to do. 
I kind of want to get into the console rental realm. It's kind of expensive to get into, but mm -hmm. it seems like versus renting lighting, consoles last a lot longer as far as, you know, mm -hmm. return on investment and everything. So the goal is to eventually buy a few consoles and media servers and do like that control on servers and not have to worry about maintenance too much. Cool. That's a, that's a <clears throat> very good uh, business plan. There's a lot of people doing quite well just keeping their consoles in good shape and their media servers up to date. And right. uh, sounds like you're in a good place to fill that niche. Yeah. So we'll see. I think it, it's a cool area to be in. Just want to get started already. <laughs> so we'll see. Oh, man. You and me both, brother. <laughs> Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I feel like anybody, anybody, all my listeners have a better idea of who you are and where you're at. And uh sounds like you've, you're well-tuned to be adapting to the new situation. And it sounds like you're in a good place to be taking a big chunk out of the market as soon as we uh, are allowed to or able to uh, re-congregate again. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I do read all your articles in PLSN, love them all. And I have to say that's probably where I've done a lot of my, my learning on how to deal with people is <laughs> those you. articles because there's always like the different designers to deal with and everything. I'm like, aha, now I know how to deal with this person. <laughs> so <laughs> I owe that all to you, my, my relations with LDs, like how to deal with them or programmers or like how to take criticism and all that. So, Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. 